Okay, here we go. Valley Life Church exists to make disciples and plant churches. Inside Valley Life Church is a series of interviews with pastors, deacons, and volunteers to give listeners a fuller picture of all that's happening in our disciple-making church planning family. I'm Brian Bowman. I'm here with Sterling Edwards. Great to be here. Uh, we were just informed that we've already been talking through this for the last 17 minutes. Uh, there's a lot to discuss, and we've just been enjoying the conversation. Um, glad we can kind of pick up on this, and um, we continue this series, First Things First. And this past Sunday, we were talking about what do Christians do? Part two. Part two. Yeah, the first thing, what do Christians do, is prayer Bible church. And uh, we, we've got a lot of traction out of saying it that way. People can remember it. And, of course, there's a lot of other ways of describing the, the Christian disciplines. There's fasting. There's memorization and meditation. Comprising the church means a lot of stuff. Believer, giver, server, learner, and, you know, inviting your friends to church. But just put them in three categories. Prayer, Bible, church. That's a really helpful way of looking at it. And then part two, what do Christians do? Uh, I think we just called it telling your friends about Jesus. Yeah, which is, I mean, we'll make it sound like a simple title because it's really, a, um, in, in theory, uh, it's a simple task to fulfill the Great Commission, um, or at least it's an understandable task. But um, you talked about this, that one of the reasons why you're preaching the sermon, you said it on Sunday, was to uh, help alleviate uh, the fear that maybe we're witnessing or telling people about Jesus the wrong way. Yeah. Uh, I bet that's something I could have. I could have made it like a sermon point to say, my fear is not that you're doing it wrong. My fear is that you're afraid you're doing it wrong or your hesitancy comes from the fear you'll do it wrong. So this sermon isn't to tell you how to do it right. This sermon is to tell you to do it. Yeah. I should have said that. Something like that. Well, I, I mean, I think that it was understandable what you were saying because uh, th I think that there's various levels of anxiety uh, that creep up when it comes to telling people about Jesus. Well, sure. Um, m maybe that there's, there's the fear that someone's going to ask me a question that I don't have the answer to because nobody likes to look stupid. They say, especially men. I don't know if women are more open to looking dumb, but nobody wants to look like a dummy when they're trying to do something. And then if you take this stuff seriously, you know, I don't, I don't want to impede someone believing in Christ. I didn't say this on Sunday, but my dad likes to say, well, what are you going to do? Send them to hell number two? If they're already going to hell, you're not going to make it worse. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that there's the perspective when we talk about the great commission, which is where, where we're starting with this, that, out of Matthew 28, and you can, in so many ways, simplify the Great Commission to say, go make disciples. And in that way, it does seem simple. Mm -hmm. That it's a, it's a mandate, uh, it's a task. Uh, we, we have, a, even among Southern Baptists, we have the Great Commission emphasis and, and all of these things. Um, but it does become a little bit more complicated because even as we're going to, to share this message, we do want to say it right. We do know that not everyone is open uh, to hearing what the message is. And so being able to provide some clarity, the way that you did on Sunday, I thought was not just that it was important. I think that you opened up a dimension that I haven't probably heard a lot of times in church. I think when it comes to like thinking through uh, the idea of go and make disciples. 
we don't have this picture that this is exactly what's been going on for mm-hmm. the entire time. And you traced it all the way back and you gave the specific instances of this is what it looked like in the New Testament. Uh, this is what it looked like with the uh, uh, with the council. Mm-hmm. This is what it looked like. Uh, and you, you kept going. And it really does come down to one person sharing with another person. This is who Jesus is. And I don't think that it was so simple that um it it was uh basic but i think that it was clear that this is what it really looks like to live out the great commission yeah man uh i think of it kind of like if you've ever when i was a kid i wanted to raise peppers for whatever reason i thought it'd be cool if i raised you know, made peppers in mom's flower garden. He's so. like so interesting all the time. <laughs> yeah, did. of course we're talking about peppers today. <laughs> sure. What I was probably like, I think it was, I lived in Graysmont, Oklahoma. So I was either third, fourth or fifth grade. And I got some pepper seeds. I put them in mom's flower garden. And I, I, and I thought, how in the world am I going to make peppers? But this is what has been happening since the beginning of the world. Right. I'm just dropping in on something that works real good. Right. I'm, I could mess it up. I mean, I could forget to water them and all that stuff. But right. the process is well proven. Right. <laughs> and that's the way I think of evangelism. Will this really work? Can just some rando woman go tell her coworkers about Jesus and that changes their trajectory? Yeah, it works real good. Yeah, well, and that's that's our life. That's our experience. But, but when you're taking that down to... To Peter, uh, Acts two, uh, and the message was repent and be baptized, every one of <laughs> yeah. you. We're, we're not talking about a complicated list of uh, rituals, or you've got to memorize this. There's there's something about that that there's a clarity towards it, and it's the same message that we're called to do uh, and to live. Uh, you you call us uh, here at Valley Life. You call us to that every single Sunday. It would be fun. I, I haven't read a book like this. I know that there's probably some out there. It would be really cool to contrast um, Peter's sermons to Paul's sermons, and maybe then to Jesus's sermons. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about that, putting this together. I had so much material, I just kind of left that I- idea out. But he doesn't really, in that sermon that we read from, what is it, Acts 2, he doesn't really like make some big appeal to them or whatever. He just lays it out. No, we're not drunk. This is what's actually happening. And then when they say, well, what should we do? Instead of saying, I tell you what you should do. Right. Please. No one's even going to notice. And no one's even looking at you. Just do it in your heart. Right. It's none of that. They yeah. just say, what are we going to do? And he, it's like, well, repent and be baptized. And then he said, every one of you. Yeah. The expectation that you should all do this. Right. I love that. Yeah, and and I think that that is um, again that points us back to to the clarity of uh, what of what this message is, and then you kept going though. I mean, we yeah. you 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 tackled Acts two, and then uh, you really just walked us through Acts three, Acts four. Uh, I don't know what do we go Acts nine. Uh, 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 yeah, uh, so three another three thousand or another two thousand become Christians, repent and are baptized. So that makes five. And then, of course, by then, uh, the religious authorities are like, hey, what's going on here? They put them in prison. And I liked it in Acts 4 when when Peter and John get out of jail, they go to their friends. It didn't really draw that out either. But a lot of evangelism is encouraging each other in evangelism. Right. A lot of taking that risk and being bold and all that stuff is is the encur- And maybe that's another reason that um, EE and CWT and, and faith work well is because it is done like as a church or as an evangelism team or something yeah. like that. 
Yeah. Uh, but anyways, in, in Acts 4.23, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And then we talked about how they prayed, of course. They prayed for boldness, not just for people to be nice to them and not get those bad guys back for the way they treated us, but just let us keep on doing it. Yeah, I, I, I appreciated that point because uh, no one could have blamed uh, Peter if that was what he was saying and uh, the retribution of those things. But he knew that God was orchestrating this. I was reading Joseph, or, or not Joseph, Genesis this morning, and it talks about <laughs> Joseph. I know. Joseph. <laughs> yeah, it's a different kind of quiet time. I'll tell you about it later. But reading through through that, and um, you know, all we know, Joseph's life is always marked by uh, what we want to say. You know, man, he just got a, the bad luck, and he yeah. got all these things. But every single time, we know that was you know God was leading the way. I think the same thing is true for Peter in this is that it, it has, it's clearly marked that God was, you know, leading, um, in those ways. Uh, and so you go through Steve, you talked a lot about Stephen, yeah. uh, who's probably one of the most what prolific martyrs that's re- recorded in the Bible. Uh, man, my brothers, my brother is not a pastor. He's a police officer. Okay. Uh, and when we were growing up, you could pro- like looking back on it, you could probably look and see Brian. Brian could end up working in a church, and you would say Alan won't. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's just the way Alan yeah. was. Yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> and but Alan's favorite hymn was that Stephen full of power and grace. <laughs> yeah, and it would tear that dude up. Really? Just, yeah, yeah. Of course, you can tr- trace that out. I guess you know Alan is a he's a public servant. And yeah. he values people that will lay it on the line. And the idea that this guy is not a pastor, he's a deacon at the church, you know, of Acts 2. And he goes out there and lays it on the line and, and you know, is stoned to death. That's yeah. always moved my brother. Yeah. Yeah. And Alan's going to be here. I always thought it was like an, uh, he's, gonna, he's coming into town. He's coming in. Yeah, he'll be here next Sunday. I always thought it was an odd title. Like, like you're just flipping through the hymnal <laughs> and it's like, Boy. you know, I mean, it's not like Amazing Grace and like all the yeah. different, but so you got the, um, so you got that with Stephen uh, and then you, you, you let it right straight into Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, A or, young or man named Saul approved of his execution. Do we, where's, where's Philip? Is he Acts 8? Um, and that's Acts six. Uh, Acts okay, so I, I, or I, no, you're Acts eight. My bad. Um, so you got Philip. Um, that's and and these are all marked, you know, in the New Testament, or especially in the Book of Acts, that these were all people used to be able to bring about the Great Commission. Yeah, well, Philip and Stephen both. I wanted to highlight those two guys because in Acts six, they're both shown as deacons, not what we would call elders, or certainly apostles. They're not apostles. Yeah. They're just guys who are helpful in the church. But they like Acts eight thirty five. Philip opened his mouth. I like I like that it says he opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Not a preacher, yeah. Just a guy who you know an angel showed up and told him to go to this certain spot in the road and wait. But because of that, you know, the gospel literally on a chariot gets carried to Africa, gets right. carried to Ethiopia, right? So I just I appreciated that Philip and and. Stephen are just not apostles, not elders. You wouldn't think of them as preachers, but God used them to preach. Yeah, absolutely. Then we went through, uh, uh, you, you got into, I'm jumping. I'm yeah. jumping to uh, Acts 13. Okay. The Council of Jerusalem. Uh, it, am I, did I jump too far there? Well, Acts 13 is 
when they started co- to contradict what was spoken by Paul. Okay. This is when Paul, the Jewish people are like, we don't think that that's true, and you can't say that in our synagogue, and it frustrates Paul. I did find it odd that um, Paul and Barnabas had enough of being opposed and said, forget it. We're going to go talk to people who will listen. Yeah. And they did. I mean, that that changes everything. So in Acts 13, it's when you get the idea that Paul is the missionary to the to the Gentiles. And then in Acts 15, so many Gentiles have converted. That's when they all group together. Okay. And say, are we going to let are we going to let all these um, Gentiles become Christians? Right. Can God do that? And they took a vote and decided God can do that. <laughs> yeah. No. And and I think that that's that that's remarkable. And and it's from that point uh, again you you went piece by piece on this uh, to where we saw the how it led from Paul that um, you talk about Ambrose uh, Bishop of Milan yeah yeah what three thirty nine yeah where he's born in three thirty nine born in three thirty nine he's preaching the gospel apparently I don't know if I said this in both services but Augustine I call him Augustine you're supposed yeah. to say Augustine. I, I'm with Augustine as well. Yeah, I'm from Oklahoma. Yeah. So Augustine is a, a, a carouser, a womanizer, and a drunkard. Yeah. And he hears some little children singing a song that says, pick it up and read it, pick it up and read it. And he didn't recognize the song as a children's song, like Ring Around the Rosie. He didn't know it. So he tried to figure out what it was, and it was about the Bible. So he picks up a Bible, and he reads, hey, don't get drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Right. No more womanizing. And he converts. He goes and listens to the Bishop of Milan, and he gets baptized. And I didn't say this, but he and a buddy whose name is like Alypius, and then uh, his son. I can't say that word either. But his buddy and his son were all baptized on the same day. I did not know that. Easter, not Easter Sunday, but Easter, April 24, 387. So, so he, this is a very, very long time ago. And I and I mean I know we have it like this is all ancient, but it was also the beginning. Uh, yeah. Uh, well you think about it like this. If three hundred years from now, or I mean three hundred years backwards from now, you're around the Revolutionary War. Right. We I mean we think about um Thomas Jefferson and George Washington as though, you know, it wasn't that long ago. They were here. Right. They were men like us and thought things and wrote stuff down that we can read. That's how far away Augustine was from Jesus. Yeah. So when they talk about the resurrection from the dead and this Jew from Nazareth who said these things, it wasn't that long ago. It's like Thomas Jefferson to us. Right. Right. And then the beginning of of the church, we go th- from there uh, to Martin Luther. Yeah. So Augustine, you know, he becomes St. Augustine and he writes this this book that people used to, you know, create monasteries. Then Martin Luther joins one of the monasteries that used that book. So that was my tie-in. You have to jump yeah. uh, 400 years, eight, 800 years to get to Germany, right. Erfurt, Germany, where there's a, a monastery that used the rule of St. Augustine. So I don't know if people are super familiar, or, you know, our listeners are super familiar with Martin Luther's story, but, you know, he's a Catholic dude who who just wants to get close to God, and he didn't know how. His dad didn't want him to be a priest. He thought he wanted to be a priest. So he joins this monastery and and uh, was so convicted about every single one of his sins. I mean, there's some people in our church, we've said before, that are more sensitive in their conscience to their own sin 
and they really get brought down low by their sin. I'm on the other end of that scale. I feel very good with grace. I'm right. super happy yeah. about it. Right. But, you know, it's also good to have a sensitive conscience. He was like that. And the story would go that he would spend an inordinate amount of time confessing his sins to the Father there. So much so that nobody liked him because they thought he was shirking his work. You're supposed to be sweeping the floor and you're in here doing this. You're supposed to be doing whatever monks do. And and you're in here confessing all these stupid sins. The story goes, at one point, the guy said, listen, you need to come back when you have some actual sins to talk oh, about. Oh, wow. But he was just nervous. He didn't yeah. think he was right with God. And then apparently in a storm, a um, lightning strikes beside him, floors him to the ground. And this is starts his conversion where he realizes he needs grace. So, yeah, that's a long story. But he... Um, he converts there in the seminary and in 1517 posts 95 points that he has against the catholic church he wasn't trying to take down the catholic church or anything he just wanted to sort of fix it get it back on track right and then that starts the uh protestant reformation and of course we're skipping tons and tons of stuff but i just said by that time protestant reformation has swept through uh england and john knox studies the gospel in switzerland so for me, it was cool. You know, Jerusalem Council, 800 years later, um, people in Germany are are taking these scriptures seriously. And then you get Knox in Switzerland, you know, studying, uh, studying Switzerland, and he goes back to Scotland. And, you know, he the good news of Jesus sweeps across the country. And that gives us uh, a seminary in Aberdeen, Scotland. Which, I mean, when we're talking about that, I mean, which 1559, yeah. it is a long time ago, 400, 400 years ago. You, you, have you ever done the Ancestry.com? You ever traced your no, your family? Never have. And um, that's about how far I got back okay. uh, with, with tracing things. Who are um, your people? Um, Scotland. And, is uh, it really? Yeah, going back, going back there. And so I think that you, when you just begin to understand, there are people mm-hmm. that... Real life people that lived and breathed, and and how we begin that perspective on uh, where our, our our life, our ancestry, or however that comes about, and then you know you brought it to uh, to come back to uh, man. We got George Woodfield, uh, Shubal Stearns, mm-hmm. um, and go, why, why don't you jump in with Shubal Stearns? I I I I I thought that was a an important part of this. Yeah. Uh, so. You get you get um, the Wesley brothers, you know John and Charles Wesley and George Whitfield are all buddies in Oxford reading this book, and th- they become Christians or whatever. They take their faith seriously. Whitfield starts to preach around the country, and he was the most famous name, not yeah. the most famous preacher, the most famous name in the world at that time. Okay, uh, he, so he comes to North America and preaches, and he's preaching. I think it's like 1751 um, in in Massachusetts. And, of course, lots of people are getting saved. The Lord is using it. It's the Great Awakening of North America. People have heard of that. And this no-name guy, you know, named Shubal Stearns, becomes a Christian in Massachusetts and goes back to North Carolina. I think that's where he's from. Goes back to North Carolina, starts a church with 17 people in it. Yeah. That church was a church-planting church. And, you know, I didn't have time to do this stuff in the sermon, but podcasts are limitless that's right we can keep going man so what shubal does is he goes back and and he has a different style of church and this becomes important to church life in in america he he sort of 
moves away from what was called the Charleston style. Have you ever heard this? No. Okay. So in Southern Baptist life, like us, there's the Charleston style and there's the um, what's called the or tradition, not style. Charleston tradition and the Sandy Creek tradition. And the Charleston tradition is more like what you would think of like a high church. Right. White columns, real important and rich, you might say. Yeah. Well done. And then you got Sandy Creek. <laughs> okay. And Sandy Creek is characterized way more by emotion. And their pastors didn't need a seminary education. Like, you feel like you need to preach? You get up there next Sunday and you preach. Yeah. And if you're good at it, you should go start a church down the road. Now, is that good or is that bad? That's the one I come from. I mean, I'm a Sandy Creek tradition guy. Right. Um, which is, you know, I started preaching before I ever went to Bible college. That's why. Because that tradition carries on. Like you said earlier, it's a long time ago. Yeah, those traditions aren't that. Right. I mean, they're still here. That's why you've preached before, and you've been to Bible school. Yeah. Okay. You I mean, went to Arizona Christian, right? He's been to Preaching Collective. Yeah. <laughs> Arizona Christian, it's not really a... I mean, I wasn't studying... You weren't Bible. studying Bible. You were studying business, weren't you? I was studying business, yeah. but it's not a seminary. Or anything. Yeah, you haven't been to seminary, and there are traditions, yeah. and these things sort of go in and out, but there are traditions where it would be really looked down on if you hadn't been to seminary and you're pastoring. Uh, I don't come from that tradition. Right. I come from like all the way back to Shubal Stearns. You want to preach? Go preach. Um, so he that little church starts 42 churches up and down the East Coast. And again, I didn't get into this either, but everything that we think of as the South, the dirty South and all that, it comes from this tradition. Yeah. Uh, Minnie Pearl and Jerry Clower are very, very old names, but everything having to do with the Grand Ole Opry and even country music. Right. That's all from that tradition because church had such an important place in life at that time. So anyway, uh, Shubal Stern starts 42 churches in one of those churches in Macon, Georgia. A guy named Daniel David Mullins becomes a Christian at 22. He gets married and he walks from Macon, Georgia to the Indian Territory to um, and are just planting churches all along the way. And that's where the Mullins Baptist Association got his name, was in honor of Daniel David Mullins. His leg exploded from some disease he had on oh the way, goodness. and he just kept walking. He walked all the way to, to Oklahoma, and then, of course, the Mullins Baptist Association started our church. I think when you trace all of that back, and th there's such an important part of this because of Valley Life and, uh, and our vision and mission uh, to make disciples and plant churches— uh, th th it's, you know, I'm at this point in my life where y you begin to think through what is, what, what do the next 50 years look like? Or what, what are people going to say 300 years from now mm -hmm. when you're looking back that far and to just understand that the, the process of the lives that are impacted, or maybe the future church plants that come out of Valley life, that, that the story, uh, continues, uh, but it's really dependent upon me and you, Dom, everybody else in our church to, to really grasp hold of the great commission. Mm -hmm. Like for the, the, the great commission is always going to be the great commission, right. but there was always these steps of obedience, uh, from, uh, Mullins, all the, but tracing it all the way back to all of these, uh, people that you've named, but it's an, an very real time. So what is my own response to the great commission? And that's what I think uh, I've told you since Sunday. It's my, it's my favorite sermon. Yeah. Uh, because I think that, it is a commission that is not for Brian or it's not for the staff and it's not for the elders. The a great commission is for every single one of us to be able to continue in that same way. 
So I flexed the um, communication team's muscles this week and sent an email out to everybody. I think I think to every email we had. Right. Either that or to everybody that's a member. Yeah. Did you get it? I did. Okay. You watch it? I did. That was the deal, man. I don't see anyone. I mean, you name our worst member. Yeah. I don't know who it is. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you know who it is. I don't know who that'd be. I don't want to name names. <laughs> or our worst church attender. Yeah. Like, yeah, they go to Valley of Life, but come on. They don't really do this stuff. I don't I don't see anybody yeah. who can't comprise the church and tell people about Jesus. You know, if <laughs> I'll say this, if our worst attender killed people for being Christians, God used a guy like that. Right. So if God I, used I, him. Totally. Yeah. Uh, and and no, we haven't talked about it, but yeah, I did. I, I thought it was a great response to the sermon. Uh, and you know, the heart that you have as a pastor, I think it really showed up in that, in that video. Uh, but for us to like, to, to break down that the great commission is as much for that guy mm -hmm. who's the worst attender, or maybe it's a woman uh, or, or woman. I mean, we don't, we, we, <laughs> I don't know where we're going to get the information we need, but the idea of just understanding that, that the great commission is for every follower of Jesus. And that makes it not just like it's a, it's not like taking a vitamin. It's that it's just actually vital towards being a Christ follower. Yeah. That we're just we're just this is just what we do. And and again, I love the sermon, but it all starts with that. So what do Christians do? Uh, this is what Christians do. This is what it looks like. This is what moves us. I mean, we have the unique perspective of we're, we're seeing this alive here in Valley Life. You and I, and Dom, we get to also work in this church planning arm where we understand that the the investment into starting churches in other areas and in other places, it's not just that we're bored. I mean, this is this is what the Great Commission looks like, and we're we're I mean, right now we're praying for multiple people that we're already familiar with that they would say yes towards planning a church or towards following uh, God in this way. But that does not mean it's more their responsibility than anybody else that's in this room. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's exciting. I, I uh, again, I'm, I'm saying it again because uh, I've talked to you about it. I talked to Jenna about it. I, I, I know how important church planning is. Uh, I know how important it is to me. I do know how important it is to you and to Valley Life. But to see the incredible way that God brings these things together, it 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 is um, for somebody like me, it is what makes me get up in the morning. It is what drives me, and uh, I'm just glad to be a part of a church that is driven in that direction as well. Yeah, the uh, my favorite my favorite thing that was you know the part of the sermon or whatever it was. There is nothing that we're gonna do that's gonna break the gospel. Yeah. He's not going to go back on the cross yeah. if we say it wrong. He's not getting back in the grave if we say it wrong. It's all already happened. And he's drawing people to himself. So we get to, you know, we get to. And of course, Brooks thing about um, not everybody's like you, Brian. You know, don't forget, we can just bring our friends to Jesus and say, you, you know, you talk to him. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think that was a great, uh, that was, first of all, a great conclusion. But I think that there is that that element as well of, God uses everything. God uses everybody. The person who's not maybe as articulate or, you know, has like maybe the, the, 
the story or the anecdote, but that there's just a way, because this is just who God is, there's just a way that God communicates uh, through the person who, if we're using the John 4, all I can tell you is what he did for me. Yeah. I love that she said, maybe he's the Christ. Yeah. She was convinced that he was, but like, as far as you, just come see. Yeah. Maybe he's the Christ. Yeah. Could this be yeah. the son of God? Yeah. Me, um, awesome. I, 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 I think it was an awesome sermon. All right, so whoever you are, I encourage you that there is nothing in the Christian life, if you are a believer, that God will not enable you to do. I love you guys. Press on.